I'm Austin Lugo. I'm Andrew Harp. This is With Nothing to Say. Let's talk about Tampopo. Before we get started today, just a quick shout out to our friends at the Living for Cinema podcast. Head on over to the Living for the Cinema podcast for many pod reviews, the good, the bad, and the ugly for all different genres and decades, including the best needle drops, wasted talent, trailer moments, and MVP of each movie. This week, we're talking about Tampopo, which is a movie neither of us had seen. You kind of suggested we're kind of going back and forth on what kind of movie we want to pick. You picked this one. I know this month you didn't want to do any sort of theme, but it is interesting that in the month of November, coming out just before Thanksgiving, you did pick a movie about food. It's a food movie. I, I did. I, I thought about that today, too. I was like, I picked a food movie for the month of November. <laughs> I think I'm going to pick a food movie, too, just to keep it on this. Okay, okay, okay. I'm cool with that. I love food movies. I don't know if I've seen that many. I, I, I don't know. I, I Ratatouille. I've seen that one. That, that's that's a pretty good one. I, I'm sure I would have to see and think about it, but I'm sure there's a couple I've seen. Yeah. I have a good one for next week. We'll get into that later. But Tampopo is a movie about food, as we kind of said earlier. It's a movie about food. It's a movie about ramen. It's these two truck drivers driving around, and they meet this woman. And the whole movie is a series of vignettes kind of intermixed with a larger plot, which is the larger plot is that they're fixing this noodle shop to be the best ramen shop in, I don't know, whatever area they're at. That's right. It's a comedy film. It's a Japanese film, 1985, directed by Juzo Itami. I've never seen any Juzo Itami movies. All those movies are in Criterion like we talked about it's a food japanese comedy movie well the movie starts with kind of a a, a bit um it starts with a uh, yakusha boss uh played uh by an actor i like a lot uh koji yakusho uh he's he's a really good actor he he was he's in a movie called um a really good j-horror film called cure um, he plays the protagonist in that movie. He's very good. And in this movie, it's like one of his like, first uh, film roles. It's not a big role, but he plays like a, a man in a white suit, you know, women in a white dress. He's like a Yakuza mob boss, I think. Yeah. And they go to a movie theater and it's really funny. They sit right in the front row and these servants, like 20, like not 20, but like five of them, like set up like this table with all this food. And he starts like addressing the audience. So he gets up and he's like, hey, you're watching the movies. You know, we're about to see the movies too. You know, he's like addressing, breaking the fourth wall. He's like, what are you eating? You know, da, 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 da. And he's like, oh, I hate when people uh, eat during the movies like, with their like, like chips and the crinkly wrappers. And, and then like someone starts eating chips over to the side and he goes over and he freaks out and he hits them and stuff. And yeah, it just starts off with this like kind of like funny little thing where it, it's kind of setting up uh, the tone of the movie, the kind of comedic vignette thing that they're kind of doing throughout. And uh, 
it, it's pretty funny. And then from there, it kind of goes into the actual narrative of the movie. But I like the beginning. It's really fun. Yeah, the opening's great. When I was first watching this movie, I was trying to figure out, like, because it felt very familiar, even though I, too, had not seen any of this director's films before. But the style of comedy, the type of film felt very familiar. And it took me a while to kind of figure out what was familiar about it. And, you know, my first thought was kind of like, oh, it, it kind of has like a little bit of a, like Wes Anderson kind of quirk to it, but it's not really that. It kind of has some like Monty Python stuff. Monty Python is what I thought. It really does have like those kind of uh, quirks to it. But I think the director or filmmaker or writer that it most resembles, at least to me, is Luis Buñuel who is this absurdist filmmaker and his later work is pretty funny. His early work's pretty dark, but it has this certain absurdism to it that doesn't just, like it just, it kind of accepts that the world itself is absurd and that the movie is like an, a representation of the world more than it isn't. So even though like it is absurd and weird and like doesn't make any sense, Louis Bunel's films are kind of like, hey, the world doesn't make any sense either, so why should I make films? Kind of similar to David Lynch, but maybe not as dark, I guess. I mean, it's def obviously this film's like pretty funny and lighthearted in a lot of ways. Not that it doesn't have its moments of kind of, you know, touchingness. Although I will say one of my biggest complaints of this film, although, you know, I, I enjoyed this film a lot, I think my biggest complaint is there's not a lot to hold on to hold on to in the sense of I don't know I guess it's so lighthearted and silly that sometimes for me it's kind of hard to hold on to these characters to like care a lot about these characters I mean I do care about them but like you know at the end of the day it does just kind of feel like a movie if that makes sense that's why it's great it's I love movies <laughs> That's why the beginning is great because Juzo Itami, he loves movies, he loves food, and it's kind of like about the thing. And we'll get into kind of like how the movie kind of is, you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. the movie's kind of weird because it is a Japanese film. There are Japanese actors in the movie, but it doesn't like look or feel particularly Japanese. It's very like Western inspired, whether it be mm -hmm. like, like you said, Boonwell or like Monty Python or Western movies like Howard Hawks or anything or some yeah. stuff like that. It's very interesting. It's kind of like this, like kind of a mix of a bunch of different things. The, the culture that's focused on a lot, of course, is Japanese food culture, mm -hmm. but we'll get into that. But like I said, we start with a narrative, which is of course, you know, two um, truckers, uh, they're driving, uh, Goro and Gun. Gun, of course, is played by Ken Watanabe, who is now a very, very famous actor. And uh, Goro, of course, is a played by, um, I don't think I've seen him in any movies, but he's in a lot of famous movies, uh, Tsutomu Yamazaki. Um, he's basically the protagonist, Goro. And they're driving and uh, Gun is reading like a, like a book about ramen, which is fun. And it's like a, it's like a, it kind of cuts to him like imagining sitting next to the writer yeah. and like kind of talking about how like ramen is like kind of like a sacred experience and one that should be like dealt with with like reverence um and they're both like reading the book and stuff and <clears throat> and Goro's like I'm hungry let's stop at this ramen shop and that's where they meet uh Tampopo yes they they stop at this ramen shop it's the middle of the night it's raining it's dark and I love his 
as they walk out of their truck, there's just like this kid just like being beat up. Like just like Oh yeah, yeah. You're just fumbling on this little kid. They're like eight, nine-year-old kids. They're little kids. And they're just like curb stomping. <laughs> and Guru goes over. I think it's Guru that goes over. And then he like breaks them up. He's like, hey, don't do that. And then the kid runs into the noodle shop, the ramen shop. And then they run in after, or they follow him into this ramen shop. And that is where they meet uh, Tempopo. Yeah. Which is like dandelion in Japanese. And they go there and they're hanging out and they're like, okay, we want some ramen and stuff. And they are ordering ramen and they, they, they soon realize that like, you know, it's, it's not a very like good ramen shop. Like they're like looking at her technique and the way she's preparing it. And it doesn't seem to be going very well. I love how much they know about ramen. They're just like experts at ramen. Cause they, they eat it all the time because they're common, they're like common working class dudes. So they eat a lot of ramen, you know, it's like a, it's a commoner's dish, you might say. So they're like, they know everything about it, I guess. And, you know, they're appreciators of it, but yeah, they're like, eh, okay. And there's a guy there who's like really drunk and, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, drunk and she's yelling at, uh, Tampopo being mean. And, uh, you know, there's like some other guys in there and they're just like being assholes. And uh, Goro, you know, he's, I think he like stands up to her, right? He's like, hey, like, stop this. You know, you're being an asshole. And they, I think uh, they uh, uh, have a little fight, an off-screen fight, I believe. Yes. Yeah, that fight seems fun. I mean, they don't really show any. There's something, obviously, this film feels very Western, very inspired by the work of so many, you know, Samuel Fuller and John Ford and just so many um, American filmmakers, but especially Westerns. And you, know, you think Guru, he has this cowboy hat that he wears. Yeah, yeah. And, and the first thing I thought of, which I know this is, this predates that, but it, there's some uh, cowboy bebop vibes to it. I think it's just the combination of like the Western and the Japanese. You know, yeah. the Japanese. I think that's the only reason. But, you know, you kind of have this idea of, like, he's this cool, you know, girl's just, like, the coolest guy in the world. And he's just beating up these people. But they don't show it. They don't really show any fight scenes in the film. They're just kind of, like, off-screen. Yeah, he's, like, the Clint Eastwood tough guy, cool guy. Yeah, and he, he gets into a fight. Uh, and then um, he wakes up in the ramen shop. And, you know, he's beaten up. But, you know, she's being he's being taken care of by Tampopo. Tampopo, by the way, is played by Nobuko Miyamoto, which is um, uh, the director's wife. I didn't know that. And the little kid is their kid. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like Itami is, uh, if you look at his filmography, she's in like all the movies, all of his movies. Like she's like plays the lead in all of his movies. Um, and for the most part, you know, she's, those are the movies that she's in. You know, if you look at her filmography, that's the majority of the movies that she's in. Um, and she's really good. She kind of like is really good at like the sweet, um, like kind of like middle-aged women kind of thing. Uh, it's like a really, really good performance. Yeah. It's fun. That's impressive. Good for her. The thing about acting is like, unless you're like a top tier level actor, I think pretty much, you know, you watch those films of like Italian neorealists of like the 50s and 60s. And a lot of those are, you know, non-actors or first-time actors. 
now honestly i don't think most of the time you can tell the difference i mean obviously she is like a professional actor but you know not a large filmography so it's not like she's done a ton of professional work especially because i believe this is pretty early in his career i think it's his second or third film probably i, I think it's pretty early in his career just because yeah it's like his third movie his like second feature-length movie so then he didn't make a lot of films then if he died in 97 that means he was only a filmmaker for like 15 years maybe 20 yeah he made one two three four five six seven like eight features wow. from 1984 until he died in 97 so yeah too bad all right but is obviously his biggest movie i think yeah it's definitely his most famous it's his most well-known and for i mean i guess i don't know i haven't seen his other films but it's good yeah it's really good <laughs> It's really good. And then and from there, you know, it's, you know, basically to make a long story short, Tampopo is begs him because they're about to leave because they have to drop something off. Um, so she's like, please like teach me how to make like really good ramen because before that they kind of like do kind of like a little like workshop about like how to like, yeah, I don't know, be better at making ramen. And she's like, please, I need you. I want to like be like really, really great. Like, please just help me out in some way. And Goro is like, well, okay. I love I love the decision to do that because it's like, there's not a lot of like build up to that moment where he decides to help her. Like they don't like talk about it too much, which I like, it just happens. Like this is the movie, this is what's gonna happen now. He doesn't have much, I guess he doesn't have much to do or go to. So it just begins. So I really, really like that it's just like, and then after that, you get kind of like this like rocky like montage. Yes, that's exactly what I thought of. <laughs> She's like moving pots around and like it's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it's really, really good. It's of her like training to be better at ramen and stuff, and they're like exercising. It's like very, very funny. And then I think right after that, you get kind of like the first set of vignettes. You had they're like biking in a park and they're like talking. And then you have like the group of business, there's a group of businessmen walking behind them. And it's great because what they, they do this throughout the whole movie where when they start the vignettes, the camera is on something else mm -hmm. and kind of like slowly is like, okay, what's going on with here? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the things that I found interesting about this film. And the reason that I didn't really put it in a Monty Python sort of under that umbrella is simply because what, what I think uh, the director here is so interested in is he's interested in the world of Tampopo and all the things in it. And unlike my Python, which is kind of just a series of skits that are kind of pushed together. And maybe you have a plot with like Life of Brian, there's kind of a plot or like, you know, Search for Holy Grail. There's sort of like a through line. But with this one, of course, while there are a ton of vignettes, they all kind of intervene with each other they're, right they're all kind of like intertwined and especially right with this first vignette you pan over to this business group and then you follow this business group into and at th this moment kind of surprised me because you don't really know that it's going to be a series of vignettes before this like you just think it's about them yeah so it's, it's, it's kind of thrown off first. by it but it works yeah, right it's good. yeah <laughs> and and basically the first vignette is they're all ordering uh, at this restaurant and of course they all the first like five of them all order the exact same thing and it's so slow and patient like it's just they all they all order the same thing that the boss orders yeah <laughs> and it's just like 
he goes to every single person mm-hmm. and like of course like as it goes on it, it gets a little bit faster but just to be able to like go to every single person and to like wait for that punchline for that final person yeah it's so yeah until you get to the final person which <laughs> is like a younger guy who's getting kicked around by the older guys and he's like a like a like a food expert like he orders all this stuff like i guess one element or theme that kind of ties or is at least kind of like common between the vignettes in the movie is like it's sort of they all kind of discuss like manners or mores or pleasures you know like because the polite thing to do the more like the like the like the polite thing to do for that guy would just be to order what everybody else ordered but instead you know he wants like the really nice wine or the really nice food and that kind of goes into the next vignette which is like a japanese woman is teaching a group of other japanese women how to like properly eat spaghetti because like in japan you know it's common like when you're eating ramen to like make like slurping noises that shows that you're enjoying it but like in the West or whatever, like you're not supposed to make a lot of noise or whatever, but there's like a Western guy in the same restaurant and he's making a lot of noise. So they're all like, well, I guess we'll make a lot of noise too. So they're all like eating spaghetti then like really like loudly. It's like kind of talking about, I guess, um, breaking down these like kind of like made up manners and boxes and stuff and kind of just sort of, you know, as long as it's not hurting anyone kind of like reveling and, and pleasure and just kind of like like doing it you know what i mean uh i think that's kind of the common thing between all the vignettes yeah absolutely it's the idea that these you know so-called mannerisms that have been built especially you know in japanese culture during this time which are very strict and kind of i don't i don't mean to say strict the right word but there's very particular things you do just like in any culture and you know, and this is what Luis Bunel does in all his films, right? He's making fun of the absurdity of the bourgeoisie, of the rich. I mean, the rules of the game, you think of uh, uh, Jean Renoir, he's doing the exact same thing there too. It's the idea that these, you know, this world that these mostly wealthy people have built, right? This, this high class people have built is just absolutely absurd and doesn't make any sense. And the easiest way to make fun of it is just kind of show how ridiculous it is. And that's exactly what he's doing in all these vignettes, especially this one too. But I I will say as funny as this vignette is, as much as I enjoy this vignette, one of my biggest pet peeves is the sound of people eating. Like it just, it bothers me so much. (laughs) And that's so much of this movie, which is fine. And it works. It's just... I mean, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to slurp it up. You know, but it's just, it's so irritating. All right, all right, all right, all right. But I powered through for the sake of the film. Okay, good, good. Sake good. Of cinema. It is a lot of slurping. It's a lot of, it's a lot of noodles. It's a lot of slurping. I like the, I like the, of course, to get the next vignette to talk about briefly, of course, is the food sex scene. I love the food sex scene. It's crazy. Nice. It's like we return to the people from the beginning of the movie and they're like in a hotel room and they're doing like these crazy sex food things where they're getting lemon juice and salt and like uh, whipped cream in various places. It's uh, it's, uh, it's an interesting and they're getting like crabs involved. Well, not crabs, like some like lobster things. Isn't it like a shrimp or something? It has like a bunch of legs. And they're, it's like tickling her. It's just, it's, I don't like that at all. it's really unexpected, but I loved it. It's just like, once again, it's like another vignette about like, 
you know, it's, it's, you know, unusual, I guess, to use food in a, that kind of way, but, you know, once again, to consenting parties, it's really kind of like a birth, sex, death kind of movie where, you know, you have like, like sex is kind of an element. It's not a big element of the movie, but it is like in some of these vignettes, and especially this one, of course, where they're like, at least this first one where they're, you know, uh, using food in various ways. And it's very brief though. Like, it sounds like it's like crazy and insane. It's a, it's very, very, it's a very short vignette. Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's like, it doesn't feel in any way sort of um, like it, like sexy simply for the sake of sexy. I wouldn't even say, I wouldn't even really describe that as a sexy scene. It's a funny scene and it's like in good faith and it seems like these people are in love, but it doesn't feel like, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel like we're preying on anyone's, you know, sexuality in any way. It just feels like hearted. Yeah, it is. It's very lighthearted. Pretty much from here, you get basically like they are scoping out other ramen joints. That's right. That's right. It's a, it's a series of, of going to different places and like trying to figure out. Well, the first time she goes to a place, she's like, oh, I'm just going to like ask the guy for his recipe. And they're like, they're not going to tell you the recipe. She's like, no, 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 no. I'm just going to ask. And she asks, like, hey, can I have the recipe? And he's like, what? why would I give you the recipe? Like you work like three doors down. I'm not going to give you the recipe. She's like, well, I, I, I can pay you for the recipe. And she's like 50,000 yen, which I don't know if that's a lot or little. That's one of the things about watching old Japanese films or really old films that aren't honestly even old, like American films. I don't know. Like, is that a lot of money? Is it a little bit of money? Is it like some money? It's hard to tell. It's a decent amount of money. It's some amount of money. And he's, it's some amount of money. And she's like, I'll give you 50,000 yen. And he's like, I don't want 50,000 yen. I want a million yen. Sounds like a lot. But I'll pay you back in like a year. She's like, a million yen? That's a lot of yen. And this guy who's been eating at the restaurant is like, hey, I'll tell you the secret for 30,000. Don't, don't give him a million yen because I guess he bets on speedboats or something like that. Gambler, yeah. He's a gambler. So she's like, oh, okay. And then she comes back that night. And the scene's kind of like, it's probably one of like the eeriest, spooky. I mean, it's not that spooky, but it's, there's some like eerie kind of spooky aspects to it. Because you don't really know who this guy is. And you're following him through like this uh, close drop, which feels very claustrophobic. And then they go into like this dark room. And there's a moment that's like completely black. And you have no idea what's going on. You're like, oh, this feels... I understand why she's she's like a little bit frightened which yeah of course <laughs> she's so good <laughs> she's so good in the movie <laughs> but like a little slit of light opens up and you're and uh, i guess like his shop opens or like there's a little slit and she can and she watches the guy make yeah the rock yeah. and she learns his secret recipe for broth I think. Yeah, it's for the broth. Like in ramen, you have to like have make the broth and you have to have the right like toppings and you have to like the noodles need to be made the right way. It's, it's like all these like different elements that they're trying to like scope out and find out. And um, I think after that, you get this scene where like they're eating at one ramen restaurant and they don't finish it. And they're like, why didn't you finish it? What the heck? They're like, yeah, it sucked. They're like, well, you know what? We're going to go over to your restaurant and eat there and see what's up, huh? And they're like, okay. And then it cuts to them like scrambling to like make the food. 
and then like they arrive and they're like all right where's our food and then they just and then they start just like beating everybody up like they start beating everybody up and then of course like a tampopo is like like being held or choked or something and then like tampopo like wakes up it's like the whole thing has been a dream mm-hmm. <laughs> and she like i remember and then she like throws like the boiling pot everywhere it's like wow it's pretty dangerous i mean that looked like it was actually boiling water it looked like real boiling water yeah <laughs> that was so that was that was pretty good yeah <laughs> and i think like uh uh after that they have the scene where they find the homeless guy which is great oh yeah that's when they have to go meet the sensei that was that's that's a really fun whole sequence with the the, uh, like the homeless uh, uh, people. That's awesome. Well, what I love, so, so the scene basically is like, uh, Guru's like, hey, you know, what you need, you need the sensei. Like, he's just like this master chef. Like, he knows his shit. Yeah. And of course you're expecting, because if you've ever seen a film before, you expect like this master chef who's, you know, spent thousands and thousands of hours inside a ramen shop, you know, and has all these like fancy equipment. But in- instead, they basically meet a group of homeless people. Yeah. Because <laughs> the sensei, his, he used to be an OBGYN, but his shop was stolen by uh, his wife or something it's like really, that. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. And it's just like this collection of homeless people who are absurdly uh, like well read on just like the world of ramen and cooking and like they steal from like these fancy shops and they just have like the most experienced it's just so funny and weird and and just to have this juxtaposition of like these homeless looking dirty men having like these really highfalutin conversations and of course it kind of goes back right it's the inverse of what was happening earlier when you have these really wealthy people kind of doing like these really silly things it's kind of the inverse of that they don't even know anything about food they're just at a fancy restaurant because they have money no respect no respect for the art form no, exactly no respect <laughs> but th- th- yeah the whole scene is like really funny and you know they're they're like sensei let's go let's go do the fucking thing um he like for some reason is cleaned up all of a sudden i like like before they leave he he's like not like because he's like he's like dirty and he's covered in rags and right before they leave he's all dressed up and like clean again (laughs) we'll see you off sensei we'll sing you a song (laughs) that felt very monty python to me yes where they suddenly like they all like start singing a beautiful song like out of nowhere. <laughs> or like Mel Brooks, right? Doesn't it have kind of a Mel Brooks feel to it too. Thinking of Mel Brooks as well, yeah. where they like all just like suddenly and they're all and they put and they sing the whole song all the way through, you know, and they're all and the characters are like standing there like watching them like it's like kind of like a normal thing. <laughs> and and you know it's like not it's very the whole movie like we've talked about very lighthearted you know, doesn't really make fun of anyone. Very good. Yeah. And in between those two scenes, one of the homeless people takes the boy, like he, they break into like a kitchen. And that whole scene feels very yeah. Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton-esque. It's like very kind of silent filmmaking, comedy kind of thing. Very physical comedy and they're running around and making things. So I love how he makes like this perfect meal and it's all like right before this security guard. It's like walking. Right. You're right. That is very Charlie Chaplin. You get another food sex scene after this where uh, they get an egg yolk and several times. This is, this is crazy. That's crazy that they did that. Apparently, like, 
they tested several egg yolks to see which one would break, uh, like which would be harder to break. So like one of they're like putting egg yolks in their mouth and like the Yakuza couple are like going back and forth, like like going back, putting the egg yolk back and forth into each other's mouth. It's really great. <laughs> and she like it bursts and it like it gets everywhere. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. It's such a good, it's so crazy. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah, the one too where like uh, uh, the guy is on the train. That, that's another like really quick one where he, he's like on a train and like he has like a really bad toothache. Yeah. That one's cute. He's hurting, but then this girl comes with a bunch of food that he wants and he's like, <laughs> okay i'm gonna eat <laughs> he's like, you know, it doesn't matter yeah he's like i don't care i just want to like eat and he like he like but then he and then he like goes to a dentist and they like crack open his tooth and it gets his smells disgusting <laughs> that one's that one's like you know once again another vignette about and then he meets a little boy later he's like eating ice cream and he's got like a carrot on his neck <laughs> yeah he can only have like organic non-processed food and he gives him the ice cream cone. Once again, you know, it's like kind of like, kind of, yeah, like I said, letting go, kind of just experiencing the pleasures of everyday life and of like things like food and like sex, you know, still being responsible, not hurting anyone, of course, not doing anything like super crazy, but just kind of, you know, you know, having the ice cream cone or, you know, that kind of thing. And I, I like it. <laughs> it's fun. Right after this, you get the scene where um, they, they meet the guy and he's eating and he almost dies. Oh, that's right. They're eating at like a restaurant and they're eating, they're eating ramen. Yeah. And there's like this wealthy lady and what I assume is like her father or something like that. And he, they walk him into like the back of the restaurant. And they're like, okay, you can't have like the beef ramen or like these other things like you can't get these things and he's like okay the daughter whoever goes away she leaves with the chauffeur he's like i have to go to the bank yeah let's go to the bank so she goes to the bank and of course immediately after she leaves that's literally exactly what he orders <laughs> and then he he almost dies from it he chokes on it and that that whole choking scene is just so ridiculous he's like he's choking on it and of course, Guru and them are all next and they're like freaking out and they're like, what do we do? And they're like patting him on the back and then they like try to flip him over and, and then they get a, a vacuum. Yeah. Like, I think it's a vacuum. Yeah, it's a and they just stick it into his mouth and just suck out whatever he was choking on. Yeah, I like I like that scene a lot. Once again, like that felt very westerny. There was something kind of like it just feels like a bunch of Western comedy influences going on there. It's some it felt like something out of like a like instead of at a ramen restaurant, it would be like at a, I don't know, like at a burger restaurant or something like that. He's like all, uh, oh, thank you so much for helping me. You know, let's have some food. That really like crazy moment where they kill a turtle because they're like, well, let's have some shops shell turtle. They kill a turtle. Yeah, um, they murder a turtle right on right on screen. That was that was pretty intense. That's the second time I've seen uh, someone kill a whole turtle in a movie. What was the first time? Uh, cannibal holocaust <laughs> in that movie they kill a giant turtle and you walk and then you see it on screen like it's a giant tortoise thing and they fish it from the river and they kill it like on screen it's not a very uh 
good-hearted movie. Like, this movie's very lighthearted, and when they kill a turtle, it's like, whoa, that's crazy. It's like a little turtle. It's very quick. In, in Cannibal Holocaust, it's like they, like, destroy it. Like, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think like that movie very much. Yeah, probably not. I won't watch it anytime soon. <laughs> it, it's interesting, but not a great movie. Anyway. I think through, so through the old guy that they save, they meet kind of like his like chef or assistant who's like real, who knows a thing or two about food and he just has to help them out. The chef, I think he's the chauffeur. Oh, okay. But for some reason he knows a lot about food so he's helping them out. What's well, like everyone, right? I, that's one of the things that I love, love about this film is like all the people that are like know have all these like secret recipes and stuff. They're not like professional chefs. They're not people who make this, which I think is kind of the point, right? Because how they say like ramen's for normal people, right? It's made normally for normal people. And so all of the people that kind of help uh, her out are all people who aren't chefs. Like this isn't like their profession. Like one, Sensei was an OBGYN and this one's uh, Guru's obviously not he's a truck driver. And this, and the one who made the, the noodles, he's a chauffeur. She kind of, Tampopo kind of says that line in, um, the, during the dream when she's talking to the guys at the ramen shop, they're like arguing and stuff. And I think like she says something like, um, I think the guy calls her like an amateur and she said like, you know, all people who like ramen or who are appreciated are amateurs. So they're all like, all right, it's go time. We got the team. We got the crazy team going on. Uh, the new guy, the chauffeur guy and Tampopo, they go to a ramen shop to kind of like get like a, like a good noodle recipe and she's able to like trick the chef there, which is funny where she's like, um, oh, you know, these noodles, they're lacking something. And he's like, oh no, they're great. Like we do, we make them the same every time. It's like, well, maybe you missed a need. I was like, no, I always need it three times. Uh, well, maybe you didn't let it sit overnight. No, we let it like, he like accidentally gives the whole recipe to her. It was a really creative, inventive and fun moment. It's a good way to kind of spill the beans without like like super you know what it reminds me of only probably only because i saw this yesterday i saw the red notice yesterday that movie with ryan reynolds Dwayne the rock johnson and gal gadell which is bad i mean it's not bad it's just not you're gonna be the only person in the world that's gonna make a distinction between tam popo and red notice (laughs) here's the reason i bring it up it's because it's a spy movie but like there's so much exposition and like every single thing, right? They have to like explain to you over and over and it's like this whole thing and everything has to be super complicated. Because people are stupid. Yes. But like in Tampopo, it's just like, hey, I'm just gonna like basically just like trick him into telling me the recipe. It's much simpler, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> basically the same movie. Basically the same. Yeah, I would def- definitely adapt, definitely. Then you get one of my... uh <laughs> you go into my other favorite scenes too it's just one fun scene after another where they get into a fight oh that scene is beautiful that is like very well yeah absolutely like i don't know if this movie i wouldn't consider it like necessarily a beautiful film i mean there's definitely like moments but it's it's certainly not you know genre noir or uh igmar bergman like it's not like i wouldn't say visuals are like it's top priority but the moment, the whole fight scene, which a lot of it takes place basically like under an underpass or something, and they're like silhouetted, it's it's just a very beautiful looking scene. I like it. It's a good fight. They beat each other up. And uh, <laughs> they're both like lying there and they're like just talking, you know, like very Western-y, like the, 
the, the, the enemies at the beginning of the movie decide to team up, you know, like <laughs> they both see something in common and, uh, the, the guy decides like, you know what, I'm going to help you guys. I'm going to, um, for pay, I'm going to uh, update, uh, Tampopo's ramen restaurant. I'm going to make it, you know, cause he's like an interior decorator or something like that. He's like a contractor. Yeah. He's like a contractor. So yeah, once again, we have another member of the team ready to go. That's just funny. I just love like that kind of like spin where it's like the antagonist at the beginning of the movie is now, you know, a, another friend, you know, there's not really any like antagonists in the movie. Yeah. Oh, and I think after that too, so they're, they're like trying to update the restaurant. I think also they like give like Tampopo a makeover too. Like they like, you know, change her hair, or give her makeup or whatever. And, uh, um, She's like feeling good and she's like, hey, let's go out to dinner. And she and Goro, they go to um, like they have a, a, like dinner, like a Korean barbecue restaurant with the grill and stuff. The way that that film was shot, like showing them having dinner in the restaurant with like the with like the windows, like right next to them in the back. Like the windows right next to them and it kind of like goes out far that reminded me of like uh in thief the, the michael mann movie thief or james con <laughs> his uh the love interest in the movie i don't know why i thought of that movie when i saw that part it just really reminded me of it probably thief is like a neo-noir and there's yeah neo-noir aspects in tampopo yeah similar enough it's just like they're getting to know each other. They're kind of falling in love. And, you know, they go home and it's like they're like soaked from like walking in the rain. I like in Goro, like he's taking a bath. He's still wearing like his cowboy hat. Always has the cowboy hat. I love it. We hat on. They're just like kind of like connecting with each other. And then I think you get the next set of vignettes, which starts with the old lady going in the supermarket. That, that one's is my favorite vignette. My favorite vignette. Really? That one's that one's good. That one's fun. It's like the shop owner and he owns like this grocery store. And he, you know, he's just sitting there doing his thing. And this old lady waddles in and she goes up to this peach and she just like starts to squeeze it. Like she's just squeezing this peach. Mm-hmm. And he like puts his newspaper down and he looks over. And of course she's like shuffled away onto something else. And he's like looking at the peach. He's like, this peach has definitely been squeezed. Yeah. And she's over squeezing cheese or something. She's like squeezing more things. And it becomes like this chase scene where he's chasing this old lady and she's just going around squeezing things for some reason. I don't know why. There's no reason for it. She just loves to squeeze things. Once again, once again, she just wants to do it. You know, you probably shouldn't do that when you go to a supermarket, but she just like she likes it. <laughs> Good for her, I guess. Yeah, that one's good. That one has no dialogue. Mm-hmm. Just like a really good kind of little vignette where they run around kind of sort of slapstick thing. They, like you said, they kind of thread together where the guy goes to dinner and he's eating dinner and he looks across and he meets eyes with like a guy. And then right away, it just switches to the other vignette, which is like an old man. He's eating with this guy. He's like, oh, professor, like I can't, I'm glad you're investing in whatever we're, we're doing. And he goes on the phone call. He's like, yeah, he's a sucker. We got the professor. He's going to give us a bunch of money. And the guy's like eating. And then the, he gets like arrested. And the guy's like, oh, you're doing the professor thing, huh? And he's like, 
And of course, you know, he's like, well, can I please just have one more like piece of food before you rest me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> very uh, food centric. In Japan, I know the food there is very good. You know, I've never been there, but I know that like, you know, that's one of the things that you participate in if you do visit Japan is all the crazy food that they have, all the great food that they have. So I believe him when he says like, please, I just need one more like morsel of food before you arrest me. This, the man uh, comes home, which I think he was at that restaurant. He comes home and his wife is dying. He's like, oh shit, not cool. And, and he's like, please don't die. Please don't die. Please don't die. And she gets up and she cooks this, this meal for them. Like, you know, she's really very disheveled and sickly and she cooks this meal for them and they're all eating. And then she just, she dies just right there while they're eating. This is your mother's last meal. Eat it while it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> they're like all crying and stuff. And they're like eating this rice. I like it too, because like the, 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 the mom, she like, she does seem to be somewhat blissful when she serves them the meal. You know what I mean? She like, even though she's sick, she almost has like a moment of bliss. It's kind of nice. It's a very touching moment. Cause she's like right before she dies, she kind of has that moment of bliss where her family is like enjoying uh, the food she made. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. Nice. We, you know, we continue on. We got the team, the team, they're trying her food and they're like, you know what? There's something missing. It's almost there. You know, they try a couple different things. I think like uh, the uh, interior decorator gives her like a recipe to try out. And, um, you know, they kind of, I think you might get a montage, right? Where like they're uh, doing a bunch of different things to try to like perfect her food. And you get that scene where like the little kid, her kid is like beating up the bullies. <laughs> yeah. that, that's pretty fun. I like that. <laughs> he like beats them up you know she's like okay let's do it let's do it again and she has them all come back a second time to try her food and this time when they try the food which uh, so one of the things that they make clear very early on in the film is that they are offended if you don't finish the ramen yeah yeah you eat the ramen you like eat all the noodles and then like you slurp it up to last drop and if you don't do that something's wrong shit your ramen's no good the first time when they tried it they didn't they didn't finish it Mm-hmm. She was heartbroken. This time when they try it, I like how they, when they drink it up, like it's like one after the other. And then like when they go down, yeah. like one at a time, it's very, insane. it's very satisfying. Like visually, it's just like, like the pattern's nice. It's like, um, yeah, about as satisfying as that ramen. Okay. <laughs> it reminds me of that scene in playtime where the, those businessmen are getting into the car. You know what I mean? And yeah. there's like the other. It has like that kind of similar pattern to it. Even like Tati is like maybe like another movie, even another director you might kind of point out as an influence. There's yeah. a lot of stuff in it in the movie. <laughs> and they're like, you got it. It's perfect. You got it. You you perfect you did you made the ramen. It's perfect. You know, like you said, they all drink it up. And uh, then you then you get the scene right after that where they're updating the building now. They're getting ready to reopen, and you get the scene, of course, where the yakuza guy uh, he gets shot, <laughs> and he's like, "You don't see who he like." It doesn't matter. Like he got shot, and he's like, "Oh, 
That reminded me of Breathless. <laughs> like at the end when he, when he gets shot, right? Like, and he's like, oh, he's like, it's like a five, it's like a 20 second shot where he like gets shot and he's like walking down the street, like, because he's like yeah. about to like fall because he got shot and he like falls down and, you know, he's like, oh, I got shot. And he's like, his, his white suit is like all red now. And, and his, uh, his, uh, his lover goes up to him and he's like, oh my God, you're dead. What are we going to do? And he tells us like very specific anecdote about how they should have like gone boar hunting. When you go boar hunting in a specific region, they eat yams. And then when you cut out their like intestines, you can have like yam sausages. And like, that's his like dying breath <laughs> is to let her know, like we could have done that together. You know, it's like very specific, but it's perfect. It's like the end of like a gangster movie. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I hope that when I die, I have a very specific story that I can tell, like a very specific, like want. So then that way, then. Yeah. Just like, oh, I wish we would have done this specific team. It's perfect, though. I, can, I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, as silly as it is, it is a little, it, it's, it's touching, right? So it's, it's a little sad when you see him die. Like you, you feel for him. I, I like them. Yeah. <laughs> but luckily, you know, you get a nice ending where her, she's got the chef hat and the place looks immaculate. The ramen shop looks great. Everyone's happy. They're like, wow, you did it. You know, you get a great shot where they're all like hanging out in there and people start like filing in and ordering food and you know everyone's like wow you did it i can't believe it and yeah it's just like a really good like ending and goro even though it's kind of like a bittersweet ending because goro he does the he does the western like all right well my job is done like kind of thing where he's like now it's time to lead up like drive off into the sunsets and, uh, you know, I'm going to miss Tampopo, but, you know, my, my, I'm done here. <laughs> he, like, lights a cigarette, too, right? Like, he leaves. Like, that's, a, that's such a Western thing. You know, once again, the hat lights a cigarette. But it's time to leave. And then he drives away. Him and Gunn drive away. They drive away, yeah. And that ending, I mean, not that part of the ending. That part of the ending is very, like, Clint Eastwood, kind of, like, you know, mid 60s, 70s, kind of like tipping his hat. But like the the part where they're driving the way, I think it's it's probably just the music. Although the colors are very, even though this movie came out in 1985, the palette looks very similar to something that comes out in like the six early 60s or 70s. Like it looks has like this pastel kind of technicolor look to it. Yeah. And that thing with like the blue truck driving away and with the music is very. And we talked about this before, but it has like it feels very playtime-esque in kind of the ending. I don't know why I thought of that, but it, I thought of it. Yeah, and then of course you get like the last part, which is like the credits scene where it's just it's just a slow zoom on a baby breastfeeding. Yep. It's great. <laughs> it's like, it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's it's really kind of like a life, sex, death movie, right? That's like, you know, like the end is the beginning kind of thing. So it's like, you make sense where at the end, it's like, it's the first meal, you know, the ending is the beginning, you know, so very, once again, another unexpected thing that I did not expect to see is just a straight up a baby being breastfed. Yep. 
by a real person. <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay, well, that's fine. <laughs> it's just, it's, and that's the end of the movie. Sure is. So Andrew, final thoughts and rating? Really good. Yeah, I, I like I like the movie a lot. Very um, feel good. When I say feel good, I hope people don't like take it the wrong way. Like it still has like plenty of like peaks and valleys, you know what I mean? Like it has its sad moments. It has its like kind of like, you know, scarier moments, but it's generally feel good. Of course, like we talked about very Western inspired, very inspired by like comedies and Westerns and even European movies. Like you said, looks very good. Sounds good. Really, really good food movie. I mean, everything looked really delicious in the movie. <laughs> you know, it was just like one of those movies where, you know, you probably should like eat before or during, you know, otherwise you're probably like gonna get pretty hungry, you know, cause just everything like looks immaculate. And yeah, it's just like very funny, very engaging. The vignette things is a little like off-putting at first because you're just like, what's going on? But once you get into it, you're like, okay, this, this all, all this like really does come together. And yeah, I was just very uh, impressed by it. And it's definitely another movie I'm going to be, it's definitely something I'm going to be watching again. Um, yeah, I'll probably give it, yeah, an eight out of 10. Yeah, I feel that. Uh, inspired by Tampopo, I'm actually making ramen tonight. Let's go. I love ramen. But as far as Tampopo goes, inspired my ramen making. That's good. I really enjoyed Tampopo. I enjoyed pretty much everything about it. It is a very feel-good, just like a fun film. Yeah. In the way like Jacques Dutit's films, I think that's probably one of the reasons why we keep referring to Jacques Dutit is because it just feels like very lighthearted and it's not very cynical about anything. Like it's making fun of the world without like yeah. being dark about it. Like it doesn't feel cruel to anyone. It just feels like fun and lighthearted and a good time. I loved pretty much all the vignettes. I think the only complaint I have is I think some of the vignettes are better than other ones. So it's just kind of like, for me, it was sort of hit or miss, but I thought they were all funny overall. I think the only one I, I enjoyed all of them. I think my least favorite one though is that that sex one with the shrimp thing, just because like one that was the best one. Just I don't, I don't like the shrimp thing. It just freaks me out. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like the shrimp thing. It's weird. Not a fan. Okay. But enjoyable film. Very funny. Very good time. I'm very excited to watch more of his films because it's clearly someone who knows what the hell they're doing. So I am also going to give this film an eight out of ten. Let's go. All right, y'all. Thank you for listening. You can find me at AustinLugo12. You can find me at Twitter, at ADHarp24. And you can also find me on Letterboxd as well. You can find this podcast wherever you hear our podcast. You can also find us on YouTube and Instagram at With Nothing to Say Podcast. And a shout out to our incredible editor, Shannon. She's one of the best and always has been, always will be. And thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you.